Hi, welcome to the Storyteller Series Nigeria, a podcast dedicated to sharing true Nigerian stories. I'm Remy Owadokun, your host for today. This is episode six of the podcast series, and it is called Life is a Pot of Beans. Because, well, it kind of is, and the really spicy one, because we like to keep life interesting. In this episode, I will be sharing a story about a misadventure on my way back from church, and my good friend Anita will share a personal story with you. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this episode if you like it, and even if you don't, you should still share it because somebody else might just like it. <laughs> you can also find more information about the series on all social media as at ABJ Storyteller. My mother had resolved that she had to start taking me to church. It seemed only God could deliver me from my black sheepiness. This was in 2001, and the church in Abuja was having their annual conference, and she didn't want to go alone. Now, for some context, the first time I saw the four walls of a church was during my baptism at about one month old. So I guess technically it wasn't really my first time. I wasn't sure if I could really see anything. And again, after that was when I was 10. And even then, I went with my neighbor. So it was really funny hearing my mom asking me to go to church and feeling bad that I didn't want to go to church. You know, my grandfather was a deeper life pastor, Apostle Andrew. I should mention that he visited us every weekend and he made me give my life to Christ each time. He would remove his handkerchief from his pocket and tie it on my small head and make me recite the prayer. And then he would go ahead and read the Bible. I really liked my grandfather, so I didn't mind. I was about seven or eight at the time. My mom went on and said, you know, you're not doing anything at home. Let's go together and pray. Mom, I can pray at home. I am not going to that church or any other church for that matter. As we all know, mothers have a degree in emotional blackmail. And so I ended up following her. I kind of liked it though. That was the first time that I heard Fela Dorotoye for the first time. I guess his church people weren't that bad. That was the end of that episode. Well, until the next morning, when my mom went, let's go to church. No, mom, leave me the hell alone. You said we were going to go this one time and now it's every day? Well, it's a five-day conference. Let's go. It's fun. No, mom, it's not fun. And like I said... She blackmailed me again. This service was a bit different. It started with testimonials. And it was really intriguing because there was this one man who confessed to being a ritualist in his young days. And I heard people shouting, hallelujah, he's been saved. And I was wondering why he was not being escorted to jail instead. Anyway, the service ended on a very high note and my mom and I went to wait for a cab. As we waited, we saw a lady who lived on our street and she offered us a ride in her new car. 
She picked us and two more people. And she was the only one driving. Well, she was the only one in the car. And we were all headed in the same direction. She was on a call. And she was driving really slow. I didn't mind. Home was 15 minutes away. The car was was sweet and comfy. had this really nice new smell. And the AC was cool. And as we approached the central mosque, a car overtook us and parked right in front of us. The first thing that came to my mind was that the driver was angry that this little girl was driving so slow and causing traffic and then he was there to give her a piece of his mind. I have never been so wrong. Three men got out of that car armed with AK-47s and we all started screaming, REVERSE! REVERSE! But she panicked and drove right into them. Three of them hopped in the car. Two of them in front. One person took the driver's seat and moved the driver, the girl, onto the gearbox. The second person sat on my mother's lap on the front seat. And the third person hopped in at the back, pointing his gun at the head of the girl who sat next to me. Now, while all of this was happening, I slipped in my Nokia 3310 into my underwear after switching it off. Okay, this seems like a robbery. And it quickly went to, okay, I feel like I'm being kidnapped. And then I started to wail. Please, my mother is a widow. Please just drop her off and you can take me. I wailed and I wailed and I wailed. And the guy went, oh yeah, come down. And then he grabbed my mother and tried to take her out of the car. And she was like, I'm not leaving without my daughter. And I was like, in my head, like, mom, this is not a time to be romantic. You're supposed to go out and get help. And then the leader shouted, everybody shut up and get in the car. Bring your bag, bring your phones, bring everything. Everyone, you know, complied. And then he turned to me and like, bring your phone. And I went, I left it at home. And he went, do you want me to shoot you? I said, bring your phone. And I'm, I'm coming from church. I don't take my phone to church. And he looked at me really angry and asked, where is your Bible? And then I stretched my hand and caught my Bible. I had never been so happy to own a Bible that I had never read. It's interesting that all of these things were happening in the middle of the road and people were just driving by looking at us. I'm not sure what I wanted them to do though. And that is how we headed to Kaduna from Abuja at almost 10 p.m. Once we got to the expressway, they were the ones to separate us so we didn't look too suspicious and we were home you know, or crumped in the car. So they asked me to come down and my mother said, you can't separate me from my daughter. And so they took my mom and I to the next car and they made us lie down at the back with our heads up. And soon we're driving and driving, and soon we drove into a farm, and they asked all of us to come down and strip. On the fifth day of the annual conference, we were the first on stage to give our testimony about how we were kidnapped, almost but not raped, how we were suffering from trauma, 
and how God somehow saved us. And in that moment, as I, stand, as I stood on the stage, I was reminded about everyone else who had been through similar experiences, who got killed, who got shot, who got robbed, who got raped, who weren't there anymore. And I wondered what God was trying to tell me. Our next storyteller is Anita, and she's going to be sharing her experiences as a young mother. Anita lives and works in Lagos, and you can find out more about her at www.muami.com, which is www.nwaami.com. I lost a child once. I was pregnant one minute. And the next, I was not. One minute I was ecstatic, hopeful. The next, are you sure you are seven weeks along? This pregnancy is not viable, said the doctor, as he peered at the scanning machine. I was certainly deaf. I could not have heard right. What did he just say? I asked my husband. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was pregnant. I hadn't seen my period. The home pregnancy test kit had two lines. The hospital test had confirmed it. I had morning sickness that very morning. This baby was going to be our first. What did he mean? I think the doctor saw the look on my face and decided to change tactics. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Why don't you come back in two weeks and we can do another scan, he said. I went back after two weeks and the pregnancy still had not progressed. They offered me a dilation and curettage, but I opted out. What if you are wrong? What if the baby is still fine? I'd rather wait and see, I said. I was pregnant slash not pregnant for six more weeks, during which I still had all the pregnancy symptoms. Those were the longest weeks of my life. It was a cruel mental battle where my mind played tricks on me throughout and I still couldn't tell anyone of the pregnancy lest I had to then tell them of the loss. So I couldn't even get the emotional support I needed. During that time, I wrote to my baby girl because I had a feeling it was a girl. Dear daughter, at first I was scared. I wasn't sure if I was ready to be a mom. I know I don't have enough money yet to give you the life I want to give you. I also wanted just a little bit more time for it to be just me and your dad. I was coming into being a wife, and that's great, but I'm still trying to transition and manage all the new and old moving parts in my new life. I'm worried about whether I can keep it all together, family, work, personal issues, during and after the pregnancy. Trust wasn't expecting you now, and I don't know if I will be the person you need. But you came along anyways, surprised all of us, and dug right in. Now this doctor says you're not growing as you should. I don't want to believe him, but I'm conflicted. If he's right, it must be something I did wrong. That's the scary thing about pregnancy. 
I'm responsible for you at every moment. If anything happens to you, it's on me. Whether I like it or not. So I watch what I eat, what I wear, how I sleep. It's crazy. Can I exercise? Was that gallop too hard? Should I wear heels? Because it's all on me. Because now I want you. And I have to do my best to protect you. I'm reading everything. Facts, midwives' tales, people's anecdotes and stories. Stories of good and bad, which create fears that make me paranoid about everything that concerns you. Holding on to hope that it will help. Unfortunately, it's misunderstood. And my overprotectiveness comes across as crazy. Since we haven't told anyone yet about you, no one understands. Least of all your dad. What are you upset about now? Why do you have to eat now? What's the big deal with the doctor you saw or didn't see? Why are you always tired? These are all his questions. I'm almost afraid to mention you as my reason. Lest he comes to despise both of us. He already reacts negatively when I point out that I'm the one carrying the baby. When I didn't want to get pregnant yet. I want to be comforted. I want to be held. I've never done this before and I'm scared. But I'm out here by myself. I hope you're okay. God blessed me with you and I hope you're here to stay. I lost that baby. It was one of the hardest few months in my life. I remember feeling extremely dejected and empty. I'd wake up crying, go to bed crying. Sometimes I'd want to cry, but I'm in a room full of people and so I can't. Sometimes I'm alone, but too mentally exhausted to move a muscle or make the sounds. I felt broken. How could I ever be fixed? I thought there was something wrong with me, that it was something I did wrong. Furthermore, because of the silence surrounding the events, I still had to pretend I was fine when around others. No one knew. More silence. More fake smiles and waited. I'm fine. Hoping somebody would notice and help me without me having to open my mouth and bring my grief to life. I kept it in. I was ashamed. Fearful to try again. Until I found out my aunt had been through a miscarriage. My friend's mom had too, and slowly, women with the same experience began to come out of the woodwork. Hmm, I thought. Maybe it wasn't just me. Miscarriages are more common than we realize, and they are not necessarily anyone's fault. Yes, future mom, it wasn't necessarily your fault. According to the March of Dimes, up to 50% of all pregnancies result in miscarriage mostly before the woman misses her period or even knows she's pregnant. Up to 25% of known pregnancies will miscarry. It happens. It's common. But no one talks about it for all sorts of reasons. So of course, many women go through it scared and alone. You should talk. If you're listening to this, you are evidently a survivor. Share your story so that the next woman doesn't have to go through the horror while thinking she's the only one.
so that she knows that she will survive it just like we did. And that though things seem very miserable right now, one day, the clouds will clear, she will be happy again, and she can try again whenever she is ready. Wow. So yeah, that was a tough one. Um, but it's important for us to share our truths and perhaps learn from them, hopefully learn from them. And that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening and I hope you liked it. I certainly enjoyed sharing that story with you. The next episode of the podcast will be out in two weeks and Funola should be back in the driver's seat. Thank you, Remy, for hosting. Remy Awatoku is a certified health coach, life coach, master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, four-time Amazon best-selling founder of Total Mikola Program. She's a master storyteller and has established a reputation for transforming lives. Check out her website at remyowadokun.com. That's R-E-M-I-O-W-A-D-O-K-U-N.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Storyteller Series Nigeria. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. For more information on the series and to check dates for our next live event, please follow us at ABJ Storyteller, that's one word, on Instagram, Twitter, and like our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at thestorytellerng.org. If you would like to tell a story at our next live event or submit a story to the podcast, please email info at thestorytellerng.org. Have a great day.